Well, good afternoon, brothers and sisters. My name is Joe, and I serve as one of the pastors here. I would like, to, I would like you to consider what are some of the sweetest and most enjoyable things in your life. Maybe you're thinking of that moment when you fly back to see your family after a long time away and you run to give them a hug in the airport. Uh, maybe you're thinking of just sharing a meal with, uh, with, uh, with brothers and sisters in Christ where you encourage one another and you share the hardships of life that you have with them. Or maybe it's when you have wronged somebody and you have carried that burden around in your heart. And then you confess that sin to that person and you are embraced with forgiveness and compassion rather than with revenge and bitterness. Whatever it is um, uh, uh, that you are thinking about, I bet that it involves friendship. Friendships are a part of all of our lives, no matter how reserved or how shy you are. And this is not surprising because God created us as relational beings. God ultimately created us so that we would have a friendship with Him. And God shows His desire for friendship with us in that He reveals Himself to us. For example, if I want to have a friendship with someone, I may invite them over to my home. I would try to get to know them by asking questions about their family, about their background, about their interests. But if that person does not decide to open up their heart and to answer those questions, if they do not decide to come over to my house, then our capacity for friendship is limited. But consider how God has opened up his life to us. From the beginning of time, he has performed mighty works showing his great character and his love. He has spoken to us through his word, and most intimately, he has sent his son, Jesus. You see that God's choosing to reveal himself to us and God's calling out to us shows us that God desires to have friendship with us. He's created us for friendship with Himself. But God has also created us with this nature, uh, with this desire, or an, uh, and with this need to be in relationship with one another. Uh, when God created Adam, He said in Genesis 2.18 that it was not good for him to be alone. And so God created Eve. Eve was a suitable helper for Adam. And Adam and Eve were to enjoy a deep and a close friendship with one another. Friendship is a part of all aspects of our life. We are not independent creatures. And thankfully, the Bible has much to say on this topic of friendship. Church family, as we live together as a spiritual family united in Christ, we need to be skillful at friendships. Like a skilled artist knows how to combine lines and colors to make beautiful pictures, we also need to be skillful and excellent at being friends 
so that we can form a beautiful picture of the body of Christ. So consider the friendships in your life. Consider your skillfulness in blessing others through friendship. Do you desire wisdom for making better friendships? Well, it's my prayer that this sermon would equip us to be better and more godly friends so that we can grow together uh, in Christ. The main idea of the sermon is this. Biblical friendship is the blessing of faithfully bearing with one another in love to help one another grow closer to Jesus. Amen? Amen. Uh, Let's look at the big picture of the book of Proverbs now. The notes are in your bulletin. I encourage you to be taking notes so you can reflect back on throughout the week the ways that God speaks to you through this time. The foundation of the sermon on friendship uh, comes from Proverbs chapters 10 to 30. And before jumping into it, let me give a bit of background about the book of Proverbs, explaining why it's written and also explaining how it's structured. In Proverbs 1 to 9, there are several speeches that call people to embrace wisdom and to choose the path of life. Today's sermon is not just based on one passage. I'm taping, taking the topic of friendship that is described in many different Proverbs, from chapters 10 to chapter 30. And then next week, we'll be looking at the topic of the sluggard from chapters 10 to chapter 30 as well. But let's read the first seven verses of the book of Proverbs, which are like an introduction of the book that tell us why it's written and what's the purpose of the book. You can follow along in your bulletin. Proverbs 1, 1 to 7. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So what's the purpose of the book of Proverbs? It's for gaining wisdom and instruction, for prudent behavior and doing what is right. Notice the book of Proverbs is not simply about gaining knowledge. But verse 3 also says that it's about doing what is right and fair. Wisdom is different than knowledge. Wisdom is more like uh, being skilled or like the ability to apply knowledge. Uh, For example, someone may be very knowledgeable about what makes up a good friendship but they may not be very good at actually being friends with someone that has real problems. So someone who is wise is someone that is skillful and excellent at applying knowledge in this complex world. And one other thing to note about Proverbs, look at verse 7 again. Proverbs 1 verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. 
the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Only those that fear the living and true God are able to truly be wise according to the book of Proverbs. Fearing God is to stand in awe of Him and it is to tremble before Him knowing that, that, that He is true. He is perfect. He is right. He is good. And He is the one that will judge us one day. So separating Proverbs from faith in the triune God of the Bible, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that makes these wise sayings in Proverbs lose their power and purpose. A, a non-believer may read the book of Proverbs and they may apply some and try to make some improvements in their life, but they will miss the point uh, if they do not submit to God through the Lordship of Christ. So the book of Proverbs calls us to gain wisdom in a fear of the Lord. With that, let's look at characteristics of a godly friendship from the book of Proverbs. So characteristics of a godly friendship. Number one, faithful in adversity. A godly friend is faithful in adversity. Proverbs 17.7 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. So this verse tells us that a true friend, that a true friend loves at all times. That means in the good times, but also in the bad times. In these times of trial, you feel your limits. You feel your shortcomings. You see that you're weak. You see that you're tired or that you're unable to bring about the success or the change that you would like to see. It's in times like these that you need someone to listen and you need a friend that will love you. Godly friends are used by God to turn bitter trials in your life into sweet times of blessing and growth. When your friends suffer trials, that is the time that, uh, that you should press into the friendship more to serve them rather than seek to being served yourself. As you think about which friends you should, um, you should spend time with, I encourage you to prioritize those friends that are going through trials. A faithful friend who sticks with you in trials is a good gift from God that reminds you that God uses adversity uh, uh, for your own good. Uh, Proverbs 20, verse 6 says, Many claim to have unfailing love, but a faithful person who can find. I, I pray that this church would be filled with faithful friends who love at all times. So a godly friend is faithful in times of adversity. And point two, a godly friend is selfless. A godly friend is selfless. Proverbs 18 verse 1 says, An unfriendly person pursues selfish ends and against all sound judgment starts quarrels. An unfriendly person uh, only cares about what they may get out of a friendship, uh, but they do not actually care about serving that friend. Uh, stop to think about the friendships in your life. Are, are you using your friendships simply to get some personal benefit or gain for yourself? 
Are you seeking to serve and bless your friends regardless of what they will give you? A godly friend is someone who pursues the interest of others above themselves. And this characteristic may scare us because it can be hard to distinguish the difference between looking to the interest of others and just being a people pleaser. Looking to the interest of others does not mean that you say yes to everyone's desires uh, just to make others happy. Uh, Sometimes those things that other people want just to make them happy are not good for them or they're not necessary to build them up in the Lord according to what they need. Being a selfless friend means that you prioritize the good of your friends, Uh, not just what they want, And you prioritize their good above pleasing your own desires. We must be willing to give up these unnecessary uh, uh, priorities in our life so that we can visit a friend. So we can pick up the phone and call them just to encourage them. So a godly friend is faithful in adversity. A godly friend is selfless. And now point three. A godly friend gives correction. A godly friend gives correction. Proverbs 27, verse 6. Proverbs 27, 6 says, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. A godly friend is faithful to speak the truth to close friends about Uh, foolish attitudes or behavior that they may see in their friends' lives. But a foolish friend values being liked more than the good of their friends. And so they will just give flattery or uh, or, uh, just compliments when they should be giving warning against wrong in their friends' lives. Uh, I remember a time when I was in college I had a friend whose mother was in the hospital for a long time. And I went to visit her one Sunday morning instead of going to church. I, I thought I was doing a good thing. I spent time with her. I prayed with her. I read scripture with her. And later that day, uh, as we were having lunch uh, 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 with my friends at the university, uh, many of my friends told me what a great thing I had done to go and visit the mom of my friend in the hospital. But there was one friend who said, "Uh, Joe, I I know you're trying to do a good thing, but you're being foolish. Don't you think that you need the church? You should not neglect giving up church just for your ministry work. Why don't you visit that lady on Sunday afternoon and worship with God's people on Sunday morning? That comment from my friend uh, stung me a little bit. It, it wounded me. But I knew that the wound from my friend could be trusted. His wound uh, was much better than the kisses from my other friends who were less wise. The correction of a friend is very necessary because it helps us guard against sin that we can't see in our life. Sin has this blinding effect, and we can't often see it, so we need our friends to help point it out. Now, don't take this point 
and then go around and start trying to remove all the specks in all your friends' eyes. Uh, giving correction does not mean being overly critical. So be aware of using correction and advice simply as a way of expressing your own opinions to people. Uh, people who do that, they're a lot more like nuisances than they are like friends. Uh, so I encourage you, before giving correction to someone, you should pray about it. And consider if you could address the concern through encouragement or rather through questions. Uh, for example, rather than telling someone, um, uh, you're not discipling your kids, you need to read the Bible with your children. Uh, maybe you could start and ask them, uh, how are you seeking to disciple your children? But if you do have to give pointed, uh, pointed correction, I encourage you to do it with soft and with gentle speech and not in tones of accusation. But before that, seek to do it in questions and seek to do it in encouragement. So a godly friend is faithful in adversity, is selfless, gives correction, and number four, a godly friend covers offenses in love. A godly friend covers offenses in love. Proverbs 17, verse 9. Proverbs 17, 9. says, Whoever would foster love covers over an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. To cover over an offense is to forgive a fault or a wrong of a friend and not to continue to hold that thing against them. Forgiving is, uh, is an essential mark of what it means to be a child of God. Uh, look at Proverbs 17.9 again. Notice that it says, Whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Whoever repeats the matter. If you have truly forgiven someone, if you have truly covered their offense and love, then you should not bring it up again. You should not use it as a weapon against them. If you are keeping bitterness in your heart towards someone, or maybe you are quick to bring up wrongs of the past, then I don't care what you say, you have not forgiven that person. Good friends do not keep a list of past wrongs that have been covered with love. Proverbs 19.11 says that it's to, it is to one's glory to overlook an offense. It's to one's glory to overlook an offense. Holding offenses against others rather than overlooking wrongs uh, keeps you from enjoying biblical friendship. Because every friend will do wrong to you. Every friend will do wrong at some point. There is not a perfect friend in this world. You are free to grow deeper in biblical friendship when you choose to overlook wrongs. But you place yourself in a miserable prison of judgment against others when you choose to hold people's wrongs against them. Godly friends cover over offenses in love. So a godly friend is faithful in adversity, is selfless, gives correction, 
covers offenses in love. And fifth, a godly friend confesses sin. A godly friend confesses sin. Proverbs 28, verse 13. Proverbs 28, 28, 13 says, Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. We should not expect our most godly friends, uh, nor our deacons, nor our pastors to be sinless people. We all struggle against sin. And so confession should be a part of every Christian's life. If you keep your sin hidden and you try to show a, a, um, a fake picture of perfection to others, then Proverbs 28.13 tells us that we will not prosper, that your sin will find you out and you will be shown to be a fool. Confessing sin, uh, that doesn't mean, though, that you should go tell everyone in the church all your sin all the time. Uh, But you should confess your sin at least to one person or maybe a few of your closest friends in the church. This practice of confessing sin and then receiving forgiveness, uh, that practice breaks the chain of guilt that Satan uses to try to bind believers. It breaks the chain of guilt that Satan tries to bind us with. So a godly friend is faithful in adversity. A godly friend is selfless, gives correction, covers offenses in love, confesses sin, and six, a godly friend does not gossip. A godly friend does not gossip. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 28 says, A perverse person stirs up conflict and gossip separates close friends. One of the reasons that gossip is so harmful is that it breaks down trust, which is an essential foundation for deep friendship. Uh, Proverbs 11.13 says that uh, a, a gossip betrays confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps secrets. Gossip betrays confidence. And once this confidence or once this trust is broken, then it takes a long time to build up again. Gossip is a destroyer of trust. Gossip can oftentimes be justified in our hearts just as we say, oh, it's just, it's just small talk uh, about others in the church. But do not believe that. Gossip is really a seed of, is, is a seed of division that comes from hell. Do not gossip. Brothers and sisters, guard against gossip. And do that by, uh, uh, before you speak to someone about a friend, you should consider if it's information that is beneficial for those that are listening or not. Assuming the best and speaking, and, and, uh, and speaking well of others even when they're not around it is, like, is, uh, it is like a pen in the hand of a skilled poet. Uh, God uses it to communicate His love and beauty and to build up His church. So a godly friend is faithful, is faithful in adversity, selfless, gives correction, covers offenses in love, confesses sin, 
does not gossip. And seventh, a godly friend speaks kind words. A godly friend speaks kind words. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25 says, Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. Kind words are medicine to the soul. They, they, they cheer up a heavy heart, and they cause us to remember God's kindness in our life when it is hard for us to see it. And kind words often come in the form of, uh, um, in the form of thanksgiving and, um, and encouragement expressed to others. Uh, notice that Proverbs uh, 12.25 says it's a kind word that cheers a worried heart. It's not, uh, it's, it's not just kind actions. Now, yes, we should certainly be kind with our actions, but this proverb is specifically focusing on kindness through speech. Um, do not let your appreciation of someone go unvoiced. Uh, tell others how you are thankful for them and, and let them know uh, that uh, let them know the good things that you see them doing that is a, 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 that, uh, that is a result of God's work in their life. Even if it's just the simple responsibilities and tasks that God has given them, but it's not something uniquely special, uh, give them encouragement for doing those tasks faithfully. Thank them for those things. Godly friends cheer up others by using their words to spur their friends on in the Lord. So a godly friend is faithful, is faithful in adversity, is selfless, gives correction, covers offenses in love, confesses sin, does not gossip, and speaks kind words. Uh, if we will be wise to practice this things, to practice these things in a fear of the Lord, then our friendships will certainly sharpen one another uh, as we walk with our Lord. Now, as you think about this list of things, uh, maybe you think that finding a friend like this, or maybe even yourself being a friend like this, is just close to impossible. All friendships fall short in some way. But remember, at the beginning of the sermon, I said that God not only created us for friendship with others, but he also created us for friendship with him. A church family, there is a friend who will never fail you. There is a perfectly faithful friend, and his name is Jesus. So let's look at point three. A faithful friend sticks closer than a brother. A faithful friend sticks closer than a brother. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24 says, One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Uh, when I used to teach at university, at the beginning of every class, I would write a proverb at the top of the whiteboard. And I would not normally talk about it, but it was just a way for me to get God's word in front of my students. So I would normally just write the proverb up on the board and then go ahead with the class. And I remember one day in a lecture hall of about 60 students, uh, I wrote Proverbs 18.24 up on the board. And uh, 
I was expecting after that than for the students. Um, normally after I would write that, I would say, okay, did anyone have any questions about the homework from last week? So I was expecting a student to raise his hand and ask a question about his dynamics homework. And uh, there is a student named Joseph who was from Lebanon who was sitting at the back of the class. And I, Joseph was not very friendly with a lot of other people in the class, but he raised his hand and said, yes, Joseph. He said, uh, Dr. Carroll, uh, what you wrote on the board is not true. Uh, there is no friend in this life that can stick closer than a brother. And all the students were kind of silent, and I was thinking, what, uh, what do I say? And I said, Joseph, uh, I know that maybe you haven't experienced a friend that sticks closer than a brother, but this is God's word, and it's true. After class, let's, let's sit down and talk. He said, okay. We continued on with the class. Uh, Joseph came to my office after that, and uh, that started a friendship with, uh, with, uh, with Joseph. Uh, Joseph was, uh, like I said, wasn't a guy that had many friends, and he liked to keep to himself. But I noticed that Joseph was also troubled in spirit. And as I talked to him, I, I, I listened to his life, and I asked him about his belief in God. And he shared with me that he was hoping that God would accept him because he was trying his best to do what is right. But deep in his heart, he knew that he was not good. And Joseph expressed fear. He expressed, he expressed this fear and this conviction that Satan tries to blind people from seeing. Uh, Joseph knew that God is holy and just, but that we are not. That, that all people have rejected God. And all of us, we do deserve to face his punishment and his eternal judgment. Our, our greatest need in this life is to have a friend in God. Because one day when you stand before God, you will want to stand before God as a friend and not as an enemy. And I talked to Joseph after class. Uh, we started having Joseph into our home. He, uh, it actually turned out he was a neighbor of mine. Um, he would come over to our apartment a lot. And as I talked with him, I started from Proverbs 18.24 and I explained to him how Jesus is the greatest friend that he could ever have. And so what I said to Joseph, I want to say to you, uh, that Jesus is a selfless friend. Uh, Jesus, God's eternal son, he became a man, uh, not for personal gain, but so that he could bring sinners to God. And Jesus is a friend who covers our offenses in love. Jesus lived a perfect life, never once falling into sin. And so Jesus did not deserve to die. But because of his love for us, he gave his life as a sacrifice to clean guilty sinners from their sin. Jesus is, uh, he, he is the only one capable of covering our offenses in love so that we can be accepted and so that we can be forgiven by God the Father. Uh, John chapter 15, verse 13, it's this verse that James read earlier for us, says that greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus showed the world, the great, or showed the greatest love the world has ever known. 
in that he laid his life down. Who did he lay his life down? For his friends. Uh, as I talked with Joseph, I showed him that Jesus is the perfect friend that we can confess our sin to. And when we confess our sin to him, that we find mercy and healing. Jesus, more than anyone, knows the sin in our hearts. And yet, if we humble ourselves and we confess our sin to Him, He is faithful to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And like a faithful friend, Jesus does not spread our secret sins around everyone, but rather He speaks well of us before God the Father. He tells the Father, accept this person as a righteous friend because He is my friend. Church family, Jesus does not just save us and then leave us on our own to wonder, but He walks with us as a friend. In, in, uh, in John 15, verses 14 to 15, Jesus calls His followers friends. Uh, look at those verses again, John 15, 14 to 15. Jesus says, You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. Jesus reveals the Father's heart. And who does He reveal the Father's heart to? Well, verse 14, it's to those that obey Him. And who are those people that obey Him? It is His friends. His friends are those that have repented and believed in Him for eternal life. Brothers and sisters, if you walk in the obedience that comes from faith, that comes from faith Jesus calls you friend. He is a faithful friend that patiently gives correction and, 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 and gives the direction in life that we need. His word given to us in the Bible helps us discern what is good and evil. Uh, His Word judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And His Spirit makes these words alive in our life. Jesus is a faithful friend that speaks kind words to our heavy hearts. He nourishes our soul as He reminds us that His work in our lives will never fail even when we stumble in sin. And Jesus is a friend that is faithful in adversity. He promises to never leave us or never forsake us, even to the end of the age. And though though we may face sickness, though we may face hardship, we may face rejection from family, uh, He is faithful to not let our faith be destroyed. So as I explained uh, about friendship to Joseph, Uh, Over the course of several weeks through Bible studies in our home, uh, Joseph found the greatest friend. And uh, Joseph trusted in Christ. But not only because he believed that Jesus could pardon him from sin, but because he saw Jesus as the greatest friend. So church family, I encourage you to look to the friendship of Christ. Uh, If you're not a believer and you know that you do not have this kind of friendship um, with with the living God, then then I encourage you uh, just to talk with one of the members of this church 
uh, after the service today. Church family, uh, enjoy the sweetness and, and the fellowship that we have as we walk in this world with Christ. And may we be a church that excels in being a friend to others. Amen? Amen. Let's, let's pray. Our Father, we praise you that your friendship is sure and true to us. Our Father, we praise you that you are powerful to bring us uh, into friendship uh, with the Father. Our Father, we pray that you would empower us to be, uh, Lord, to be friends um, in the way that Proverbs describes. Lord, may we help one another, spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Lord, we pray that we would not be slow in applying these things. But Lord, may we do them with eagerness and may we do them with the strength that you provide as we look to you as, uh, as, as, as the model and as the source for our friendship with others. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.